0: The biggest thing is the ability to make an impact. From that moment onwards, we moved from being a brand that advertised
1: to a brand that communicated. We collaborate with our clients and over time we try and get them to fire us. You must have to have really difficult conversations. I want to see no office wall. I want to see everything covered in ideas. There's so much data available that you can kind of get dazzled by it. I have it. What the (laughs) hell are you doing? (laughs) Hello, my name's Katie Sando and welcome to the Marketing Forum podcast where we learn about the professional world of brilliant marketers, communicators and creatives. Alex Murphy is head of marketing for the Admiral Group and in this episode he joins me to chat through all things marketing and insurance. Don't let that put you off though, it is actually mainly about marketing. From how he's built and structured the team Admiral to developing campaigns, Alex is an incredible marketer. I learned so much just from talking with him and I really hope you enjoy our conversation as much as I did. So I think it's really useful, so you are Head of Marketing for Admiral Group and I think it'd be great just to get a bit of an understanding of what your kind of day-to-day looks like.
0: Well, my day-to-day changes day-to-day, so it is it is quite dramatically different from each day, so uh, this morning my, we might be talking about a loyalty program, yesterday we were talking about what we want to do with the website next and what technology we want to use, uh, the day before we were talking about plans around customer experience. It, it changes every single day. I doubt I've had two days the same. You've uh, got quite so
1: a big team, haven't you? Yeah,
0: so it's forty-five of us, I believe. So it's quite a large department. It's the largest market department I've worked in, and so so yeah. It's, and and I suppose for South Wales as well, it's it's quite large. Uh, but then Admirals, one of the biggest brands in South Wales as well.
1: So, so you I can see the building, there. can't you? When you go into whenever I go into Cardiff, I'm like it's the Admiral Building.
0: Yeah, it's a it's a lovely building. It's a nice place to work as well, actually, in terms of the, well, obviously the place, Adma's a good place to work, but the building's a nice building to work in. Not that I know, I've been there three times in the last 18 months, but yeah.
1: You <laughs> hear it's nice. Um it. tell me how that team's structured then. So that structured, so within that, presumably you've got marketing, you've got advertising as well.
0: Yeah, so there's five teams. And and they when I start I started there four years ago and When I arrived, you know, great team, already very skilled people there. And and a lot of those skilled people are still there. Uh, What I found was there was sort of overlaps by purpose. So two teams might be trying to do roughly the same thing. Right. Uh, A classic one that comes up time and time again, it came up when I worked in my previous role in in GoCompare as well, is the whole digital marketing, sort of e-commerce type roles versus brand and versus advertising. But the weird thing is you'll have people who will have a three million pound budget for advertising TV, but then you'll have the the digital marketing guys who can't scrape 20 grand together to do an experiment or a test. And so they don't move forward. So one of the first things I did was merge certain teams by their purpose. So growth, for example, is the advertising team, although they advertise a lot to existing customers. Then you've got a brand team, an advertising team, an ECRM team, it's all about communicating with existing customers. We've got an optimization team and they they do as you'd expect, they optimize, although every channel optimizes itself. They they look at dashboards, they look at performance and data. They also are responsible for the A-B testing that we do. And then we have sort of a partnerships and product team. So within Admiral, we're very famous for motor insurance and more increasingly so for home insurance, but we also sell pet insurance, travel insurance. And, and a bunch of other things, but though what's quite hard in a marketing department is to spare the time for some of those newer products and to mm. give them the air to, to grow and focus to grow. And you often need more focus than the money behind them uh, and the money they make. So, so the product team sort of supports them as a sort of almost consultancy in a way.
1: And so does merging teams like that mean that you, maybe your approach is more integrated within a problem? So your solution, so you said like growth, so does that mean you've got the ability to do, um, you know, advertising, but integrate digital as part of that?
0: Yeah. So so the advertising team is your job is advertising. And within that we will run PPC, TV, radio, whatever. Uh, even every, every, everyone says, oh, you shouldn't have any silos. Everyone works like their own little unit. Right. You know, the ECRM team where their own little family and mm. got a shared WhatsApp. And, they, you know, <laughs> and that's nice. That's a that's a little group of six people within the 40 odd, you know and that's good that's not a bad thing but what they do is often quite intrinsically linked with something they might be doing in brand for example particularly the stuff that's happens in product or loyalty very tied to ecrm and so i don't force it but they naturally by by the fact that everyone's got a job to do with a purpose they sort of breaks down the silos because everyone needs each other
1: yeah it makes a lot of sense doing it that way um, I, I saw somewhere, actually, uh, that you'd mentioned um, sort of embedding creative as well. Um, yes. Is that, is that something that you've proactively sought to do at Admiral?
0: No. So I'm, I was very fortunate when I arrived that uh, within the brand team, we have the studio. And the studio is a few designers and a few developers, so we have lots of developers. We have a very large IT department in Africa, but these are distinct, they are marketing developers and they work on building pages. They'll work on building content for SEO purposes and also just for um, customer engagement purposes. So uh, yeah, so that studio existed when I arrived. Like I said, there was a lot of, I'm very lucky to, to take on a, a very uh, talented department. So uh, yeah, the, we have designers, we have even different types of designers. We have a few UX people. We have straightforward designers. We have a ton of video and 3D designers. So it sounds like loads, but it's about six people in design and about five or six people in, in depth. It's not you know tens of people, but we're lucky to have it. it makes us quite agile.
1: There's a really interesting article in McKinsey quite a while ago now, like definitely not this year, definitely last year. And they were talking about how um, businesses should use creatives more to solve general business problems. Because the whole yeah. point of a creative approach is that, you know, you might not be, you might not specialize in, I don't know, this particular issue. But if you're able to come in with a creative approach, you're more likely to have a problem solving mindset.
0: I couldn't agree more. So I, I did. So people bash about the term design thinking a lot. Mm. And I've said it myself. And I'm going, actually, I've never been trained in design thinking. And also everyone, because you're a marketer, everyone thinks you're just this amazingly creative person. You are <laughs> going to just throw ideas out. I can't actually I'm, I'm really i'm not that great just going oh what about this and what about this and what about this i work with people who are absolutely like that but i'm i'm a bit more process-led in the way i think about things so last year i did a course with insead and it, i taught i got taught over a few months design thinking properly 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 and uh i've got this on my desk which is workshop tactics you know and it's just like a little thing and and i I'm not sponsored, by the way, <laughs> um, but, but it's 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 just because there's so many cool little tricks yeah. that that we need because we get into this rigid thinking. Whereas designers, who even from once they decide they want to be in art or whatever, so design or or product design or whatever, they very much think in that way naturally. For suits, it's quite hard. Mm. No, yeah, you think very linearly. Whereas they quite easily can go ba 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 And what about this? So, okay, take that idea and rip it up and do this. So I think we need to train ourselves into doing that. But it's fun when you do it. It's Mm. hard. It's really hard. Uh, But once you break yourself a little bit, it's fascinating and and really fun.
1: I'm doing a design thinking course next year. I was supposed to do it this year, but it's with the European Institute of Design. So it's in Barcelona. Um, Mm. So I've had to delay it for two years. But I'm dead excited because I'm the same as you. Like It's one of those things where so it's design thinking for business transformation so it's exactly yeah. that sweet spot of how do we think mm. in this but i'm the same as you like no formal experience of design thinking at all but you just hear about it a lot don't you
0: yeah and i'm working with our product team so we have a, a product team for each each product and i'm teaching them design thinking now and it's so fun teaching it as well I, i'm not, obviously, i am not know any of the quality of the professors that i was taught by but it, just going, okay, forget all that. And I'll go, what's your best idea? Give us all your best ideas. And everyone trots out the same ideas. And I go, right, you can't use any of those. Go again. And I go, what? You're not allowed to use any of those. And, and just really breaking people and going, no, you can't do that. Okay, take that. Now, what if it was made of cardboard? You know? <laughs> and then and, and just yeah. stuff. And what is the worst? What is the stupidest thing you could do right now? Okay, what does that look like? And I, I find that fascinating. But that's relatively new to us. outside of the design team Mm. but it is fascinating i'm sure you'll enjoy the course
1: i know Uh, i can't wait
0: because i i i really liked it and i like teaching the team I'm we're we're going through our stages you know the 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 differences of problem statement onwards and uh but i'm halfway through the course and we we need to do more of it
1: you're gonna end up being like a a professional trainer now
0: I know I could, I'd love to do that. My mum always wanted me to be a teacher. So maybe <laughs> and
1: then you will be sponsored and you'll be product placing.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Everyone should buy this. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so one of the things um, that you, I saw that you said was that um, you started out as a digital marketer and that then, um, and you know I I think you smaller organizations, maybe SME, but you said that when you started working, obviously for like a household name, a household brand, that that required quite a mindset shift for you. Mm. And I'm really interested to understand like what you meant by that.
0: Uh, Okay, well, I'll try and avoid um, doing this as your life, but it probably helps to give a little bit of context. So I I mucked around too much in university and walked out with a tutu. So none of the all advertising... um, None of the advertising agencies I wanted to go and work with in London would touch me with a barge pole back in the day. And so I went to South America to work for a little bit because my father lived there. Uh, and then when I came when I came back, a girl I knew was working for a web development agency. And she said, oh, can you code? I went, yeah. <laughs> Couldn't at all. Uh, managed to blag the job, and I worked there for a few years, at a company called CDSM in Swansea. And they were great, but did, I, I learned all to build websites, how they all work, what what makes good usability, accessibility was a huge thing for them, you know, and and with visual, visually impaired users and, and just proper usability and all that stuff, or so, consumer behaviour wise. And then I got an opportunity to get a marketing manager's job in Cardiff. So I went from like not getting any marketing jobs straight into a marketing manager's job, but I was the only marketer there, so it was a bit of a grand title. Yeah, but
1: that's classic you know, for SMEs, isn't it?
0: Yeah, right. You're you're director of marketing. All right, okay. Uh, what am I
1: directing? <laughs>
0: <laughs> i got to look at my textbooks. I've got to few of my text- old textbooks with me. I was like, okay, I just need to look at page 53 <laughs> to how to do that. Uh, and I did. I wasn't good at the job, in all honesty. Um, I think my, my, my boss, his company is growing, and he wanted a marketer. I knew he needed a marketing job. But he didn't know what one was supposed to do, and I'd never been one, mm. so I didn't know what to do. And I did everything from d- driving around with leaflets to faxing all of... Um, What's the what's Chamber of Commerce uh, mailing list? Ma- fax every single one of them. There's like two thousand people on it. Fax them all. Yeah, weird stuff.
1: You know, yeah.
0: we, we I was it was a it was a letting agency in Cardiff, and I always remember. But you you're a bit more experimental because you go. God, I don't know what the hell I'm going to do here, and because you're not constrained by. Well, first we will do a PPC campaign, then we will sort out our SEO and go through the color by numbers of marketing. You go. Well, what if I when you're in and people used to pull up, put like print A4 sheet up and take it, rip, rip a piece of paper off for the phone number. So I, I stuck those in all the offices. In fact, the first time I went to Admiral where I work now is I went into their offices and stuck these in the cork ports, you know, and, and you, so you get quite creative that way because you just find what crazy yeah. stuff you can do. Um, and I think what does happen. And then I worked from there and then I worked slowly big and big companies went back to be a marketing director and, a, and a, quite a small startup, but quite, you know, dynamic and proper money, like a proper business, but small. And I think what you've got to be very careful of is that you don't lose that desire to experiment because it is really easy, especially when you get into like a machine because because my marketing department is, is, they're a fantastic machine. But then even, even when you're responsible for the machine, you're scared of mucking it up. You know, you don't want to change things too much because it's all going well. You know, you're sending out hundreds of, Millions of emails a year, and 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 you you're responsible for a budget of whatever million, and you go, Ooh, we could do something a bit mad, but like, everything's okay. So maybe not. And and I do, my door's gonna slam there in a second because the wind. Um, you do, but but it, it's hard to remember that. It's easy to play safe, and and you don't really get fired for playing safe, but there is a fear you get fired if you do something mental and it goes wrong. And, uh, and and so that's, that's the, a big mindset change, uh, is that you've got to keep that up, but you've also got to bear in mind that you're responsible for a brand now. And, and it's not my brand.
1: It's, mm. it's,
0: it's, it was 30 years before me and, and tens and tens and tens of millions of hours of, of time. Yeah. In it, And thousands of people rely on it. So you've got all that responsibility, but at the same time, you've got to keep sharp. You've got to keep pushing it.
1: Oh, it's so interesting because obviously I wanted to talk to you a bit about like the difference then in your experience of having done that, you know, SME, what skills you build as an SME marketer, but then, you know, contrast that with then much more corporate experience. Mm. And brand is such an interesting one in that because, like you say... You're, you're almost a guardian for it in a big corporate, whereas in an SME, because you tend to be quite close to the brand, yeah. you can seriously influence um, and control it.
0: When, you, when you're a small brand, you know what you're about generally because you, you know maybe really everyone in the company. And you, I'm bearing in mind, I've worked for universities, which were huge things and I didn't know half of them. But then I worked for a company called Source in Panath, which is 70 people. You know, um, even Go Compare, which is this enormous brand. It's only, at the time I was there, it was only 150, 160 people, you know. So in some ways, you know very much what your purpose is and what you're all about. And I I do a very bad job of, of paraphrasing, paraphrasing. Um, can't even say paraphrasing, that's how bad it is, um, Simon Sinek uh, and the, the start with why. But when you go to a big brand, your brand decision that is, is going, hold on, what this huge thing, what are we actually... Trying to do here, aside from make money, obviously, and keep everyone in their jobs. What well, what's the purpose? So when I started in Admiral, I found that much harder. And the you know we were everyone knew um, about knew well of Admiral, but no one knew really about this. So actually, I started an eighteen month sort of. I didn't expect it to take that long at the time. I think we we said well we need to do something about this. So not a rebranding, but almost understanding what the brand was. Uh, a brand positioning piece and it wasn't actually saying right we're going to be this now it's going to be okay what actually are we and let's tell everyone uh because and that was fascinating so the brand skills are you really have to really understand what you're what were you trying to achieve because otherwise you can't it it just speeds things up then you go through that process and then when someone goes oh would we do this partnership you go no that's not us (laughs) But previously, and um, my, my head of brand is called Paula Lyons, and she's been an admiral f- since it started pretty much, okay? Just, just yet, and like a lot of people, when you get, they've been in business, like she's just constantly striving to do something different, something more, and and it's, it's amazing working with her. But so she knows the brand completely innately. Mm-hmm. So if, we say, if I say I could always use her and go, Paula, what do we do this? She goes, no, you know? because she's been a guardian of the brand for so yeah. long, but that's not codified. That's, and, no. and no one else can, she can't be there all the time. And people like that have got better things to do than be the brand police. And that's unfortunately what a lot of companies become, they become the brand police. And you go, oh, you don't do that. Don't use the logo this way. And and, and it's so much more than that. Mm. Um, and then when you get it right, and then I take Admiral for example, we did rewardingly simple. We all bought into it. Actually, the internal positioning is simply more, but we call it rewarding simple on the TV and stuff. Uh, Last year, when we had to make a decision about what to do with the pandemic, we had 20 ideas. We knew that there was a surplus of of money because of the lack of claims, because of the lack of driving. We knew we couldn't. We didn't want to keep it all. We didn't think it was right. Most insurers did, but we decided that wasn't the appropriate thing to do. But we, we had so many different ideas of what we wanted to do with it, how we could do it. Should it all go to charity or should it do this? Should we apportion it this way? Should we be based on X, Y, Z? And we said, no, that's not simple. You know, it's not giving the customers back what they need enough. And so then we came up with actually a relatively simple thing, which is the £25 per vehicle. It's actually a really, really simple idea, yeah. but it was huge. And it was probably the thing I'm most proud of ever worked on. But it all came back, it was true to the brand. It was rewarding, it was simple. Um, so that, when that happens, that's when you've done it.
1: You yeah, know? you just almost hear the click, don't you? Yeah.
0: So go, oh, if someone says to you, hmm, is that really simple enough? And I'm like, oh, thank God. It's a, a £110 million pound decision, you know, based on brand positioning. So,
1: Tell me about so, with that. So did that um, initiative, so obviously you guys were in control of thinking about how do we, what do we do with this? Like, how do we turn it into something? Did that initiative come through, like, the board to say, we know we want to do something with this? Or yes. did it...
0: It came from right from the top from the CEO. It's like, what are we going to do?
1: Okay. You
0: know, how are we going to approach it? And then we had the motor, because it was a motor situation. The motor product team led on it and did fantastic work. And they went, okay, we think that we can feasibly, because you can want to do lots of things, but some things are just technically impossible. You know, uh, we can feasibly do these things. This is how much money we think it is. And, and that was a moving feast all the time because you didn't know how long things were going to last. You didn't know how fast right. things were going to get. We were all thinking it was going to last 12 weeks, weren't we? So, I know. And, um, and so, so there was all, they were doing all the fantastic work there. And then they were coming to us for ideas. And other parts of the business for ideas. And you know, There's no monopoly in ideas and marketing. So we had a bunch of ideas. Other people had a bunch of ideas. And then we went through them and vetted them. Mm. At the same time, we'd use, we were watching America because America was going through a similar process. So we, on social, were observing the responses to Geico's initiative, Allstate's initiative, and who was being well-respected for how they approached it there. So, and you know, Geico were doing some kind of Geico Bucks thing, and everyone's like, "Oh, this is just a ripoff." And Allstate did um, something per premium, but then we're like, "Well, that means the people who were with the least money are getting disadvantaged." And 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 it, it. So we observed all that and fed yeah. all that in until we came to a solution. But it was everything, yeah.
1: It's so. It's like you say. I like, I totally get like the not nervousness but i totally get the kind of weight of it because if you do it wrong you can get these days on social media and with everything else it's like lambasting what you can end up getting mm-hmm. off the back of it yeah um
0: well, imagine you spent 110 million pound and you're slagged off
1: for it i know
0: you know you're like whoa then i probably wouldn't be having this conversation i know you. <laughs> you know or maybe it'd be a very um,
1: different conversation <laughs> Yeah.
0: so your new job <laughs> um, but yeah so there is that uh it is frightening. You also, you know, there's a lot of conversation about well, what is everyone else going to do? You know, what uh, what if they go first? So ironically, if a, a competitor had gone before us and then we'd done it only a few days later, it wouldn't have had a tenth of the impact. No. Because that's the press, right? And that's the, you know, and, yeah. and as it happens, someone else did do it. Mm. I think a couple of them did kind of a weak version of it that you had to fill in forms and it was all very complicated because that was all automatic. But, uh, and even then, they didn't really give it back in the same way. But it was scary because you you can't you have sign off through countless boards, and that's the other thing with a big company versus a small company. There's huge amounts of that, mm. and as it should be, right? You know, because in small company, you're not often making the decision of that magnitude. Yeah. But so you have to go to the board. You have to write papers, and then of course, there's always like, what will this do for the brand? Will it be good for the brand? It's like I can't predict. But of course, yeah. if we believe this is our brand then we should do this. And actually, yes, it's worked out exceptionally well for us. We're the, the leading brand for consideration now in, in motor insurance. and But it has all worked out very well for us. But that was always secondary, yeah. uh, which is fantastic.
1: So I suppose, so back to the question around then, the SME versus more corporate experience, would you ever recruit an SME into roles that, an, um, an SME marketer into roles that you've got, or do you consider that if they don't have experience, that's maybe like at a corporate level, mm-hmm. that they would be able to shift across?
0: I don't think it matters at all. Uh, if anything, both both have different advantages. Yeah, SMEs are, running. You know, speaking from experience and from the people I know, you've got to wear about twenty hats. You know, even even. Even when I worked in Environment, my my entire digital marketing team, website, PPC, SEO, everything was six people. Yeah, and one one of those was 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 a lady who ran our live chat. One of the guys was the one who built the website. So it was really all digital marketing was run between me and one other guy. Um, so if you take those skills forward, and and, and you make you you good at it, right? So so that means that when you land in in um, a big corporate and you've got one job to do. There is a risk they get bored yeah that is always a risk uh but it, you've got you're really well equipped incredibly well equipped, huh? you know i, I will I was, I was a marketing director in, in a company and, and i was i was like one of two or three marketers total yeah you know and so you have to wear all that you have to understand all of the channels it also makes them really flexible but also means they empathize
1: mm-hmm. so
0: if you've only been an email person your whole life it's very hard for you to empathize with the challenges of a display marketing person or um, PPC to a degree. You know, because the you, dynamics of VCRM, uh, email, are so different from the dynamics of PPC. PPC is, is, is auctions and trading. It's a completely yeah. different skill set from creative and um, targeting. I mean, mm. it's still targeting, but you know what I mean? It's just totally different things. But if you've done both, you go, okay, well, I can apply this year and this year. And actually, we could both do this together. Um, so that helps a lot.
1: So yeah. no, there's
0: no difference. And, 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 and I know you're referring to the question about the differences. My job is not that different because where I've been, I was responsible for all the marketing. The results, often, yeah. often, I was I was rarely a smaller part of a wide department. So I would normally had quite a broad remit, even if that remit was a marketing department of two. You know, so to so me, it's not really changed. But I think if you, if if you go from running a a marketing department, a small marketing, and then going into a single channel, that can just be a bit of a mindset change. And yeah. you want to macro with stuff. You go, oh, I I wouldn't have done that with PPC. And you've got to be a bit more diplomatic. <laughs> you know, go oh, yeah. on. You know,
1: uh, in a way it's like the dream because it means you can super focus on what you're doing whereas like in SME like you say you're wearing so many hats you can get to a point where it's like email done <laughs> you know like ppc let's crack on with that um whereas yeah. if your job then turns into it's quite focused it's but it's really important that it's really right
0: mm.
1: you know almost that feels like from an SME perspective like what a luxury to be able to just really focus and spend time on that um
0: yeah Although I, I was, I, only this morning I was writing and we were on my team and we are going to deliver a workshop for a bunch of SMEs or sops. And we were saying, actually, if I think back to what I need to do is focus, because you speak to SMEs and they go, oh, well, can you tell me all about social media? How does social media work? How can I use social media? And you're like, well,
1: what, why? why? What do you want to
0: use? I using? know. Like, you what's
1: know? the point if you don't? How, like,
0: do, I, how do I sell on Twitter? And I'm like, well, what, what are you selling on Twitter for? What <laughs> You know, I and mean, maybe that's right. Maybe that's absolutely right for their brand, but it's, and, and one of the things I say is focus. Focus is so important.
1: Yeah. And
0: I was terrible for it because I'm like a kid in a sweet shop. I've got no attention span whatsoever. So I'm like, oh, Instagram's come out. I'll do that. Oh, social, and it helped me with digital marketing because no one else knew about it when I started. That's all I am. No one else knew about digital marketing when I started. And I happened to have a bit of an advantage for web developers. before that, so I got it. Um. But I remember I was playing with social media because no one else really knew about it. And that was fine then because I almost had to do it in my spare time. Where it goes wrong is when someone joins a job and they tr- try and do everything.
1: Mm. You no, know?
0: And that, 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 that many hats And I was guilty of it, certainly, particularly in my first couple of marketing jobs where I was going to go, oh, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do this and go, hold on, let's just do three things really well. Yeah. You know, because you can't be. Don't this. You can't be one thing well. You're going to have multiple things to do. But just what are your top three things to do? Just really, really well, because that's the stuff your boss is going to care about. Yeah. Um, but the temptation to go, oh, and look, I've started a Twitter account, but now I don't have time to tweet because I'm. I've got to also manage my emails. Like, just leave the Twitter
1: account. Yeah. That. You know. It's um. Sometimes you get a brief that's around like, oh, we need we want to do more marketing. And actually what you often end up with is suggesting they do less marketing, um, but much better and actually stuff that resonates with the audience. But it's so easy, isn't it? Like you say, when there's channels that are popping up all the time and it's so easy for people to think like, oh, now I need to be on TikTok. And you just Mm -hmm. think like, well, hang about like, don't you think you need to just check back to see if your audience is even on it? um yeah.
0: but i agree completely
1: anyway that's the fun and games of it all um it, the, only,
0: the only final thing on the tiktok stuff is actually you know we didn't jump on it when it was out but we you know we're on tv and and once you're sub 25 you just don't watch tv right and and, and we've got and we've got a huge audience that is sub 25 and brand is so important when people are making decisions, less so when, you, when you're when you younger, but still very important. That Like, we, we can't put our brand in front of these people. But if you just go, hello, fellow kids, and jump on on, on, on TikTok, then that's not going to work either. So you have to find no. an organic way that really works. And so it, it, it only happened once we had a good thing to say on there, a good stuff to do on there, or a good partner to work on there. And that's only when we did it. We didn't just try and get on to it. TikTok
1: because no because it's got to be content appropriate hasn't it it's like you know if it's if it's video based and it's about car insurance then you don't want to be there like oh watch this banging crash you know it's yeah. like
0: yeah I, well I a totally couple of brands have done stupid stuff like that and 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 barely survived it you know so
1: and rightly they shouldn't
0: no so yeah it will it, happen organically you got to keep an aware of what's happening yeah Work with agencies and partners and all those things if you can keep just, but. Most of it, if you just follow Marketing Week and 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 Search Engine Land and all those different sites, and, and they'll tell you what's the new big thing, but they'll also be very pragmatic about it. Yeah, because they're all jaded marketers as well. So <laughs> so they're they go, like, oh, what's this new rubbish? Um,
1: uh, yeah. brilliant. And um, I really wanted to ask you as well about your kind of approach to marketing in general, because um, you said before that you don't necessarily have a particular interest in insurance and that you pride yourself in your <laughs> ignorance of insurance. And I love that so much, and I have been thinking about it since. But so explain what you mean by that and why you're so proud of your ignorance.
0: The biggest thing you can... So some of so the big skill, biggest skill sets you can have in marketing, I think, is empathy, empathy for your colleagues, empathy for the people that you within the business, absolutely because they just don't get marketing but i don't get pricing if you want it. right so um so empathy for their challenges but primarily of course it's empathy for the customer and if you really really know your product and i don't mean the features and the benefits of the product i mean understand you really deep in it it it's not that it's not valuable but it's it's harder then to step back so, I try to look at things through the view of eyesight of the customer as much as possible. Now, every market says they do that, but actually they don't and i and, and i and that's just fair enough as many times I haven't you know when's the last time you bought something on your own website you know yeah and when's the last time you you, you read through your whole email you you got sent end to end you know I'm not proofreading, but as a customer it's really hard to do so that's why I try to avoid getting too much, drink too much of the Kool-Aid, you know. I've got to know about my product because I've got to know that the, the product that I'm marketing is marketing appropriately. You know, we have compliance teams and, and things to make sure that it doesn't do that. Don't tell them it does that. It doesn't do that. So they'll make sure that that doesn't happen. But it's more that, um, does this product, even? does anyone even want this thing? You yeah. just created, and it's really easy to create a product. And that's where, going back to design thinking, you start a customer problems. But if, but if you, the customer, well, most of them don't work in an insurance company, so they, they're not going to look at these problems the same way as you do. So you start with the customer problems, and then you work from there. Whereas, opposed to so you, if you think so much about your product and, and you obsess so much about your product, because you've got product managers to do that. Okay. If you obsess so much about your product, then you get enamored of it. And then it's very hard to sit objectively. Therefore, it's very hard to understand why it's useful to other people.
1: Yeah. So you're like in an echo chamber of like, oh, I get it. So everyone does.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, my, one of my best people to speak to is, is my nine-year-old daughter. I was like, we want to do this and this. Does that make sense to you? It's like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but... Do you understand? It's really clever because we, if we do this and this, then like, oh, that means that those were things work together. It's like, no. I'm going, okay, scrap it. Scrap <laughs> it. Because she's a smart kid. Guys, we need to pull this. <laughs> we need to pull this. We need to pull this. <laughs> what do you mean you've gone to the press? No, Harry says no. Um, so, uh, yeah, so it, it's, it, it, so she's one of my best. Obviously, my wife's a brilliant sounding board as well. My my in-laws this makes sense to you, you know, and, 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 and anyone else? And, of course, we, we do tons of insight. Insight mm. is, is the secret sauce of everything. Uh, you know, you don't have to do really expensive insight. We, we do very big, quite expensive insight uh, pieces of work, but you can do it other ways if as long as you're, trying, you're very careful to avoid bias. That's really important. So if you, do, if you are a small company and you do know your product in and out, you can't help that, and that's probably necessary when you're very small. You're probably mm. half a product designer um so therefore you have to try and just get it in front of people as much as possible uh and get honest opinions because yours are not that worth a bit worthless
1: on the subject of insights one of the things that I've seen you write about before or talk about um was the humanizing data um and I I think you know it's quite interesting because you talked about it from the point of view of like it's easier in an SME because you're closer to it Mm. um but so that's quite a big project that you've tried to undertake at admiral is that right
0: so it's not just me i mean you can imagine what data is for an insurance company
1: it's, yeah it's right
0: far, far bigger got than loads me. yeah too much um so it's not so I, to say it's my project is 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 not right but but it, it is something obviously I'm, I'm the key stakeholder so because In an insurance company, Admiral and many other insurance companies, people are sorted by their policy. So almost they're as much known for the the risk that they're protecting as opposed to the people they are. That's not wrong. That's just the way that insurance is worked, especially depending on the systems you use and lots of other boring stuff. And whereas actually when you if you're an SME or a B2B, you tend to know the person. You know, when I worked for a company that made software for brokers. There were only about 2,000 brokers that were our customers. So you could at least have to bring up and speak to them, and go, Why are you using the old version of this? Why aren't you using the new version? And like, oh, because my computer doesn't work with it. you know, you can have a proper chat about, Yeah. you know, I love Google Analytics, but even Google Analytics, if you or any analytics tool, if you just obsess about the the, the charts. You go well. People go. Why are customers just bouncing off that page? Why are they bounce off the page? And, oh, I don't know. Well, maybe it's because this. Maybe it's this. And then someone will go either speak to a customer or go. Well, couldn't we just put a what users do through that, which is like, you know, twenty quid to to get get some user testers to run through it and observe them doing it. And that's the equivalent these days of ringing up and going. well, Tell me about your experience with the product. You can just you can do it a relatively less non-confrontational way, I suppose. But that is really important. So we are we're through a process of looking at our data and how we approach things like that, and that's the ultimate part of it. Is that I don't want to show the same stuff to every single person. I don't want to. I don't want to advertise the app to people who have the app. And, and it's just basics, really. And actually, smaller companies do it. Are more able to do it better, whereas big, big organizations. There's so many more things to do. Um, but every every big is dealing with exactly the same things from banks to financial services because we tend to be a little bit behind the curve compared to retail, for example.
1: So is that a question that the tech? It's about investing in the, the tech from a big company perspective. Obviously, small companies probably can't afford to, but that you know, mm-hmm. that personalization, because that's not easy in itself, is it? You no, know, you, it's, you have to huge. exactly so if you the, are trying not to advertise the app to the people that have the app, that's a tech issue?
0: Yeah, it's a tech issue, primarily. It's a data issue. Uh, it's a priority, uh, priority issue. It's a business issue. It's the, keeping the people who run the app happy. It's keeping the people who run the multi-product happy because their are banners not there. It's, it's about, it, it then becomes, it's, it's political. And AdMod is actually a very non-political organisation prides itself on it you know we're all in it together you know we're not like happy clappy we've all got business goals to achieve but 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 you know it it is it isn't about that but it is about okay well this has it i've got an objective for this thing but i've also got an objective for this thing so it's all about balancing these many huge objectives each with millions of pounds each um so i think that that's a tech issue it's a data issue it's not impossible but if you do it you it's going to be big so that means you're not doing something else.
1: Yeah, I see what you're saying. You know?
0: So to me, it's the most important thing you could possibly do. But to the next person, it might be something about security.
1: Mm. You know,
0: next person, it might be something about, which is a very important, speed of the website. You know, the next person might be, okay, well, we need to enable customers, and this isn't accurate, but to, to use paper. You know, and, and, uh, and so you've got all of the wrong priorities. And the bigger businesses, the more strands are being pulled within an SME, at least you can sit in a room with the business leaders and go, what do we want to do in which order?
1: Yeah, And it's
0: only your few with them. And people might disagree or whatever, but you can, it's just straight, more straightforward. Uh,
1: so when you're th- going through some of the data, so what have you, do you try and relate it back to real people? So, in, it like, so instead of it being just like X percent, you're trying to relate it to um, that it's a particular group that are behaving in a particular way because they have a particular need.
0: Yeah. And I think, well, I, kn- I know that in a small, in an SME, you can do a bit more of that customer segmentation, a bit more straightforward. Uh, it's harder in our company because an organization, because when you have 5 million customers, say, almost 5 million customers to go, well, uh, we're going to have four different customer groups. Jane, John, Philip, and Judy, all right? And that means you've got a million and a half Judies. There aren't a million and a half people who are the same. You may mm. as well be talking horoscopes. You know what I mean? So,
1: I'd love so, if you segmented by horoscopes.
0: Maybe we should. Maybe uh, give it a go, eh? Maybe all Taureans act a certain way. I mean, yeah. it's about as useful as that. Um, now, it doesn't mean you don't go, okay, these are people who prefer to interact uh, online. These are people who prefer to phone up. These are people who um, will always shop around. These are people who don't really like to shop around, but they feel like they should. You know, so you can do that. You can start to to go through those segments and follow those behaviors. And we do a lot of that. Uh, but there's always more to be done. Loads more. Oh. To be done. Whereas in a smaller company, you go, okay, well, these are brokers that tend to be of a certain size. I keep using a B two B example because the one that impressed my mind at moment. But these are brokers of a certain size. We know they tend to do all of the insurance for their customer. Or these are the ones that just tend to send their post to customer, and the customers sort it out themselves. And and, and these need these services, but these need these services. So you can start to prioritize it that way. Uh, And it depends on the product, right? Because I'm talking quite insurance-y. But when I was working for the University of Lamorgan, we would segment by uh, the sort of subjects that they were interested in. So, you know, people who took STEM type subjects, you know, they were going to be going into the sciences. Therefore, they needed to have a, a breadth of sciences and a brochure that reflected that. And and you could segment that way. But then you go deeper, you go, okay, they're interested in the sciences and they're in their second year of university and um, they're probably going to be going for clearing and they're a bit worried, you know, or uh, they are interested in this and this, and maybe they won't get into this course, but this is a good backup course for that person. Okay. Okay. You know, when the uniglam is actually some of the most fantastic, um, customer segmentation I've ever seen, so elaborate, uh, and that was 10 years ago. I worked there, I think. um, but they just there.
1: really knew their audience,
0: yeah, because you have to, because it's high conversion, it's all about conversion. Um, yeah, really good, really, really good, but, but everywhere's good in different places. I mean, the while I you could, I could go, uh, tell me all people who like gold and the war, you know, you know, and and because they'd been segmented because they bought gold coins previously and they bought a Winston Churchill coin previously. And therefore they were all the gold war likers, you know? Um, And so, okay, we've got a coin coming up because of a new anniversary of a terrible thing that happened and send them that product, you know, or send them a brochure for that product. So even those who were really good, but it it was much easier to segment those than, than what we do now. But, you know, it's, it's just challenging.
1: And then, so in the same way, when you're trying to um, attract a new audience. So, um, you know, in that example that you just used with the Royal Mint, um, you know, obviously that's where you're trying to then resell to an existing customer base. So when you're then, so whether or not it's how you do it at Admiral now or from previous times. So when you're then trying to find uh, a new audience, so you looking at um, needs, behaviours, and then thinking like, so we need to reach them in X, Y, Z way.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, it's it's sort of the, forgive me if I go a bit like basic, but I suppose it's the the upper funnel stuff, isn't it? It's it's we'll fish where the fish are. So really at, at that point, say your product, they don't even know about your product. So you go the awareness route and you go, okay, well, you want awareness. Now you don't got a budget to go smack a TV add on. So, which websites do they go to? Some of that's just straightforward, direct by display. You know, but display is hard to make work efficiently. Um, so, But if you are going to use display and upper final stuff, you need to have a little bit of a view of your attribution and know that you're not going to probably get in sales from a display, but it'll probably cause a search yeah. later on. Or maybe it'll cause them to look at it on YouTube and then they'll go into search. And so Luckily, some of that is is joined up. So... You, you might, I mean, it, when you get to a big company, you tend to try, you might go a full stack of marketing technologies or you might go the best in, uh, best in market of each individual type of marketing technologies. But when you're an SME, you go, look, it's better if I buy everything from the same people. And they're, I'm prob- they're probably biasing it in some way, Google, but it's worth, it's worth it for my ease, you know, yeah. to do the Fisher price of marketing technology because I can do everything and it's all joined up. You know, in one ecosystem. So you know that the person that saw the display ad that you put out through double click also looked at it on YouTube and then did the search and then maybe responded on Gmail, you know, and rather than give Gmail the credit or the, the PPC search, it cost you a fortune of mm. credit, it's actually the display ad that did it. And and if you're gonna do multiple channels, you kind of have to get at least a, a view of your attribution. And you don't have to do it in some fancy science, data science way initially. Just use common sense.
1: Mm. You know,
0: just go, imagine you're a customer. Uh, what, you didn't wake up this morning and go, I'm going to buy a Churchill Coal coin. You know, oh, just tooth Fairy put it in my head. You know, no one behaves like that. But it's amazing how people go, oh, I can see that the brand searches are the, the main driver of sales. So we should put all of our money into brand search. Yeah. Mm. Like, I've had that serious conversation, not not where I am now. I've had that conversation in a company years ago and I was looking at their budget going, you put all your money into brand search. And they're going, yeah, but we find that we're not spending it all. So it's really efficient. I'm like, no, you're not spending it all because no one cares less about our brand because you didn't let them know about it anywhere else. So yeah. no one's searching for it. You know, but it's, it's quite hard to, to I know. It's, it's fall into these traps, these self-fulfilling prophecies. And then you become very efficient i very small.
1: I think it's a classic case where people are seeing a result and assuming it's the cause.
0: Yeah, correlation, causation. Yeah,
1: man. and um, I don't know, I've had conversations with people before where they're like, we don't want to do any marketing if it's not directly measurable. And I'm like, you're, you're limiting yourself pretty severely um, and you probably but won't you, get a result. You can,
0: you can get results... I mean, I'm, I was one of those people, especially because I was a digital marketer. I was one of those guys that, you know, I, even, when I, even when I went to go compare, I was still an e commerce digital marketing guy. And I was like, why are you spending all that money on your TV? Give it to me. Give it to me on PPC. And, we can make uh, it happen. I'll make it happen. Don't worry about it. It, it. You know, it wasn't even that long ago, I'm ashamed <laughs> to say, you know, in the grand scheme of things. Do we need to spend all that on TV? Do we need to do outdoor? Oh my God, outdoor? Kind who knows who's seen that? You know? <laughs> and um and what you'd notice when they were off TV, say that they're saving money, or they're trying to balance the books, or maybe they're just doing a test. You notice, a, particularly a huge brand like that, very high PPC, you know, they're spending tens of millions on PPC, tens of millions on TV. You notice very quickly when they stop doing that upper fun stuff because suddenly it just gets harder yeah, and harder to, to really, well, why aren't we getting the click through rate like we did? And uh, why aren't we getting as many brand searches? And therefore our blended PPC costs have gone up, but I can't control it. And so my CPAs are becoming unpalatable. So I have to pull back. And before you know it, you circling the drain. It's
1: mm-hmm. very,
0: you know, it happens quickly. I've seen it happen in other companies. I've seen it happen in competitors anyway. And you can see, I can see what they're doing here. They're trying to save money because they took the top of funnel stuff. But being realistic, when you're a new company, you, you can't spend money on TV. But you can get your brand up there.
1: Mm. You
0: now, there's lots of ways to get your brand up there without throwing money away, and uh, which, which are obvious. You know, upper funnel stuff. It's awareness. It's you know, God, get out there. You know, go go. If you're a small company, just meet people. That's getting mm. your brand up there. Uh, and And all partnerships are huge for that, really valuable for that as well
1: I think the thing is with brand is um i' don't, I still come across people that don't really believe in brand but mm. um but love things like k p m g and you're like, yeah, you love them because they're a brand um mm. but um if you invest in like a sales spike that's fine, but it's gonna gonna taper pretty quickly, whereas mm. you know brand investment's got longevity hasn't it it's like you you are building value you just you might not be able to directly measure it right now
0: yeah if you i mean exactly as you speak now as you're saying it's bennett and fields paper the long and the short of it that is the one that all media agencies love trotting out because they proved (laughs) the value of investing over a long period of time and they did you know i mean it's mathematical in there and and you know, don't get me wrong, there's lots of ways you can challenge it and they updated it and updated it and they've always looked at it and And actually some of those channels like TV are reducing in their effectiveness and you've got to be aware of all these things. But what they basically showed that, and we and we started doing this, and this is one of my arguments in Admiral was like, I want to invest more on in a positioning argument than a direct response thing. And that's what we did, but we did kind of a halfway house. But what you find is that, yeah, the first X amount that you spend is not going to be as effective as, as, a, as a direct response, bang, get it out, or a discount. It's just not going to be. Right? No. Why did I do that? I could have just saved my own discount. But every time your discount ends, you go back on square one. Mm-hmm. When you invest in the brand, you're maybe square two. Uh, but it's not as effective in that moment as if you've done that big discount. But then if you continue to do it, square yeah. three is square two. But it, you've got you've to gotta be measuring it. Mm. You can't just go, well, it's okay. I'm, I'm not doing that because I'm investing in the brand. It comes to three years time, and we'll be golden. You've got to, you've got to do the other stuff as well. Yeah. And try and make it as efficient as possible, but but if you're not investing in the brand, you're just on a hamster wheel.
1: Mm. And you're hijacking you know? yourself ultimately, aren't you? Like, where what do you stop? Where do you stop the discounting if that's what you start with?
0: Yeah. Well, that's it. You just devalue your brand before you have even built it. In, yeah. It's insistently in task. You know, you're just you're rolling a stone up the top of the hill and then. Next time, di- oh, we can't do the discount anymore, or we're going to stop doing the discount, or we'll just, okay, the roll- stone rolls back down again. Yeah, yeah, start-
1: you've got to start from scratch. Yeah.
0: And, and what happens is they do that. And that's why companies flip marketing directors every two or three years because they go, oh, but well, we haven't gone anywhere. It's like, well, the poor marketers won't get any money to invest in the brand. <laughs> they go, well, yeah, I'm back where I was three years ago because we yeah. just, just didn't invest in the brand because you didn't want to do anything that wasn't measurable. Now, got new startup companies. Startup environment. Yeah, when, you, when you're really tight on money, you do do the quick stuff, the response. You get your float, as it were, you know? start making some money, but it, it's, got, it's got a finite lid on it. So you yeah. do that, absolutely. And then that's why you need all the skills to be really efficient in your spend because you need to get your float. But you can't live off that, not forever.
1: No, and therefore you need to attach it to something that's short-term, like new product offer, not just yeah. like, hey, it's Friday, 20% yeah. off.
0: 20% off of Fridays, yeah.
1: Love 20% off Fridays.
0: Yeah, no In one life. buys for the rest of the week. <laughs> I know, yeah. <laughs> yeah, great.
1: Um, I, what I'm really interested about with your particular, so with Admiral, is how much are people coming to you direct versus how much are people going through um, like the Go Compare style marketplaces?
0: Well, I, I could go into too much detail because you can imagine some of it's a bit sensitive. But yes um, I didn't know
1: if you'd even be prepared to answer the question.
0: No, it's fine. It's it's um I'd say generally it's not this isn't appropriate for our numbers but I'd say 60 to 70% of the market shop. Yeah. Mm. So so but our, our numbers are different but you you can find out anywhere. You know, that's a pretty common commonly known thing. So uh and then the rest of it but the dynamic that's not how many people well, that's not how many sales are done through that channel, because um, in insurance, a lot of people shop around but don't move. You know, yeah, you'll know it. I mean, I'm a classic. You no, know, you go. Ah, oh, I keep getting these emails from confused. Mm. I need to need to look at the price. I've gone on. Ah, oh, it's about twenty quid more. But
1: yeah, I'm, I'm exactly. As long as you don't put me up too much. I yeah. won't move. And if I have to then look back in five years' time and be like, oh, that's quite a significant increase, that's fine. I'll do that. But I don't want to move year on year.
0: Well, it's, it's going to be really, really interesting um, because, the, you know, if you're aware of the new FCA regulations with insurance. So what, oh, what it basically means is you can't get a cheaper price at renewal. Uh, so you can't get a cheaper price at new business than you would get at renewal. So actually, the regulations started now, but it won't kick in formally, like big time, till beginning of January. So what that means is, say someone could get uh, so say the same person at their renewal, it would cost two hundred quid for car insurance. There's no way at new business they would be able to get that for less than two hundred quid. So your price might go up. But considering, if you because of price comparison being such a dominant force in the market, yeah, um, people tend to stay competitive. What used to happen is people in year two or year three, their price would creep up, um, and that would happen, and then they go on price comparison. Of course, the new business prices are discounted, cool. so they yeah. they go, oh well, it's much cheaper to go on the this person. You no, know, that all wouldn't always happen. Depends on what your price is going to apply. That's not really gonna happen anymore because mm-hmm. there's not gonna be a real impetus to go on price comparison. Because if you did, you're gonna find your price as much as someone else. Now there's always the chance that your risk is um, that insurer doesn't price your risk, that risk very well. You know, maybe because that specific insurer has had loads of accidents in your area.
1: Yeah, you know?
0: there's always going to be individual pricing, but that whole creep up of price over time, um, just in the industry it just can't really happen anymore which is going to be really interesting it changes the whole industry
1: what do you make of the direct line approach then when they have basically said no because I've always thought god I would not want to work in their marketing team because you would have to work your you know you said fish where the fish are yes, they, so they almost yeah. basically said we're going to make ourselves desirable enough that the fish swim <laughs> to us
0: hmm.
1: and I just uh I think that must have been, it must have been really hard for them.
0: Well, well, directly is a fascinating company and, and there's, there's, uh, I've got his full name now, a guy called Mark, who, who runs all the marketing stuff there, obviously a really talented guy. And, and the people before him and X and creatives, cause they were, they were on the ropes years ago and they, and um, price comparison was, to he eating their lunch? And also they, as a brand, they were starting to wane and, and this is from their own paper. Um, 2014 something like that maybe maybe before and um, what happened was they got creative and the creative really resonated but if you're bearing in mind price comparison is it, it costs uh, an insurer tens and tens and tens of millions of pounds so they, they spend on marketing they spend gosh so much more on actual direct marketing than I do I mean direct marketing I mean TV but their margin yeah. is tastier uh yes and and they've got the money that they didn't spend on price comparison as well so they're not whatever that cost per customer mm. they're not losing that per customer that they acquire uh they don't have to compare their prices to anyone else so they're not held up in that kind of thing i'm not saying yeah. their prices are competitive because people aren't idiots i just mean they don't really have to have that within five pound of their competitors kind of thing so they've got all of that going on and then excellent marketing and really sophisticated and they probably invest a lot of those millions as well into their systems and so, so they've and they've got really good marketers so it's god it must be hard though yeah it must be really hard yeah. but they call direct line if you call yourself if you you're not direct anymore you can't call yourself direct line so it's a bit of a funny one isn't it you can't yeah you they managed to get away with the fact it's not on a phone by by killing off the phone but you know, it, it, it doesn't really work. It's not how direct line the antithesis of direct line, I would have thought was to be go on by an intermediary, you know, which is what they, because they, of course they were supposed to be the alternative to brokers, which is why they were called direct line. So you didn't go to your broker, you just run a phone number to get your insurance, which is a revolutionary at the time. So, um, and then, and then Elephant came along with an Admiral brand and they were the first ones you could really buy online and that was you know elephant was a bigger brand than our world for for a long time and, and um so it's going to be an interesting one i don't know what they do how they deal with that how especially but this might be a good time for them because of this whole change of the market i was going to
1: say like it's about to suddenly maybe settle in a way but i mean you're still in a position aren't you whereby i can look at loads of different on a comparison website i can look look at loads of different brands am i going to put in all my information all over again on somebody else's mm-hmm. website to then get a massive price. Yeah. The reality is no I'm not And I have done it once and the price was so ludicrous I will never do it again. But I just I've always thought god they have I get where they've done it. It's like when the Times started charging to use their website versus the Guardian not. Mm. But equally what a situation.
0: Interesting. Interesting. Don't go See there how it goes. <laughs>
1: Thank you so much for your time. Um, It's been so great to chat to you and um, share your knowledge. And I feel like I've got more questions. So I'll probably bother you again in the future.
0: I'm happy to do it again. No problem at all.
1: (laughs) I hope you enjoyed that episode of the Marketing Forum podcast. If you are not already, please do like and subscribe. And you can follow us on social media or subscribe to our mailing list to find out more about episodes coming your way soon.